Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. This is Greg from San Leandro. Is there anybody in hell? God bless and have a nice day. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Be an Observer. And now here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hi everyone, welcome. Let's get the program off to a good start with a call from Greg in San Leandro who has some questions. Let's get started. Here we go. This is Greg from San Leandro. What is, what's Tartarus, where the angels are, and what did they do wrong? Bye, and God bless. What is Tartarus? Well, the word Tartarus is a Greek word, and it's a kind of hell. It was a hell where some of their gods went. But it's a good word used by Peter. Let's read what Peter has to say. He says, For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into Tartarus, and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment. So that's where the term appears, Tartarus. So it's a temporary place where the angels who sinned are kept in chains of darkness until Judgment Day. So that's what Tartarus is, and that's the word. Now, there are other words for hell, or what we would, we would generically call hell in the Bible, but we're just focusing on Tartarus, and it's the place for angels. So there's no humans there, just those angels. And what did they do? I don't know, but it must have been bad. It must have been bad because, uh, you know, they're being held apart in uh, a special hell just for them. Well, what do they do? Well, they rebelled. We know that. We know they rebelled exactly what they did. We, we don't know. But you have to remember one thing about angels, and that is they are mighty beings. Mighty beings. I, I remember one time I was listening to Christian radio and it was one of the f folks on the family or something like that. They were interviewing a lady who had written a book about angels. I wish I remembered who she was or what her book was. I'd love to read it. But she said that she did a lot of study about angels. And she said that, you know, when you're reading the Bible, angels appear. And she said, usually, what's the first thing that the angel says to, to the person who they appear to? You know, after they say hi, what do they say? They say, get up. Most people, upon seeing an angel, immediately fall flat on their face. So these are mighty beings. One angel slew over 180,000 soldiers in one night. So these are mighty, mighty beings. So if they're up to no good, some of them, and trying to rebel... I think it's best that they're held in Tartarus, don't you? All right. Well, Greg, what else have you got for me? Let's hear Greg's other question here. He's got a couple of more. Let's, let's have one of those. Is there anybody in hell? Oh, that's a good question. Is there anybody in hell? Well, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know if there's anybody in hell right now. We know there's some angels being held in Tartarus. We know that. But as far as people go, I don't know. What about someone like Hitler or someone like that? Well, possibly they're just in the grave awaiting the final judgment. So are there any people in hell right now? I don't know the answer. I know there's going to be a final judgment. And then after that, some people are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We know that. We read that in the Bible. But I don't know if there's a hell for people right now and whether there's anybody in it. All right. Um, Greg had one more question. What is it? My question is this. Why does it have to be phony Christians? I mean, why can't they just be everybody be true Christians? Bye and God bless. Oh yeah, why why can't there why are there phony Christians? Why can't there just be true Christians? Oh, it's a beautiful question. Poland relies on listeners like you to keep this program on the air. If you feel moved to help keep Poland on the air so that he can help others, visit sheddingshackles.com SheddingShackles.net or SheddingShackles.us and click on the icon Donate. You know, isn't that the truth? You remember? Was it was what was his name? Rodney? I can't remember his name now. Remember he had been there had been an issue with him, and then there were some riots and everything, and he went on television and the radio, and he said, can't we just all get along? It was so beautiful. Can't we just all get along? Well, why can't people be true Christians? But you know, you know the reason why. It's because they can't. They can't. We're all in the same boat. We are fallen. We are broken people. We are imperfect people. That includes you. It includes me. It includes your parents. It includes everybody. A lot of people do the best they can. Most people actually do when it comes to their to raising their children and so on. They do the best they can, but for the most part, it's not so good. So the best that they can do is not so good. So what does that tell you about how broken they are? Yeah, it would be nice. So true Christians, well, there are true Christians. And you can't tell just, you know, when you're walking down the street, let's say you go to downtown Los Angeles or downtown San Francisco or downtown Boston or downtown Denver or wherever you go, and there's thousands of people. You can't tell the good ones from the bad ones. You can't tell just by looking at them. But some of them love what is true and love what is right. And they yearn for something good. So it's a yearning. And those people who yearn with all their heart will eventually find, or God will find them. Let's put it that way. He will find them. And he will begin to open their eyes and awaken them to see the truth. It's the beginning of salvation for them. So then begins a process of getting better. 
See, it's never a process of having arrived. It's always of, of, of reaching a point and then moving on to the next point. So a lot of times I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll just play a best of program, which I do sometimes. I do. But most of the time, 99% of the time, I think, well, I'll just play a best of program. But then I listen to them and they're okay. But I have something fresh to say, something new to say. So it's always fresh. It's always new. It's always spontaneous. And it's good for me to say it. It's good for a person who receives it with joy. And it's even good for those who don't receive it with joy because now they heard it. They can't say they never heard the truth. And if they resent it, if, if they resent it, then it gets stuck in their mind and it will torment them unto repentance or unto self-destruction. So the truth is good. It's a two-edged sword. That's what it says in the Bible. The tr truth is a two-edged sword. All right, so why... Why? The answer, why can't there be true Christians? Well, there are some. But, see, you, you don't know who they are. You, you may not meet one in your, as you go around. But then again, you may. There are people who love the truth. And now many there are, I don't know, but they're there. But you see, the problem is, in our fallen state, look, when we still haven't reached the point where we cry out for truth, with sincerity, when we really, really, really want to know the truth, and we're willing to know the truth, even if it means we have to see our own wrong, when we're willing to be sorry, admit, I'm sorry. Well, until that day, we reject the truth, we hide from the truth, we run from the truth. In fact, the remainder of this program, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how we run from the truth and hide from the truth. And I use Francis Thompson's beautiful poem, the Hound of Heaven, about how God pursued him. Francis Thompson, he tried to be a minister, didn't work out. Tried something else, didn't work out. Joined the army, they released him after one day. Nothing worked out. And um, then I think he got um, tuberculosis or something and started taking opium because of the pain. And then what happened? He became an opium addict. He became a drug addict. But somewhere, somehow, something in him yearned for God, and uh, he wrote his beautiful poem about running from God, but that's what we all do. We all run from God. See, and the more you run from him, you, have, you run into something that helps to deny him. So your drugs, your nicotine, your alcohol, see, eating too much, drinking too much, texting too much, smoking too much, working too much, partying too much, studying too much, you escape, escape, escape. Escape from what? From conscience. Escape from the light. Escape from God. That's what we do. And that's what we keep doing until one day we hit rock bottom and we have to cry uncle, as the old expression goes. And then we are somehow our soul is softened and we are receptive to God's light. And from that point on, God takes you in tow and leads you to salvation. But that it's a process of perfecting. It's a process of, of, of God showing you you're wrong. Then you know you're, you're forgiven for it. 
He makes you aware of that. Not because somebody said so, but because you know it in your heart. You just know. One day you wake up and things that you that had bothered you, your conscience, now they just they don't bother you anymore. God has taken away the burden. And then you see all your wrongs, you see your errors, you see your how misguided you are. You see how you were hypnotized. You see how you did things you didn't even really want to do. You didn't even know what you were doing. Christ said on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So that's the other reason why to us, Christians appear like hypocrites. They don't know what they do. They really don't know what they do. And if they're so wicked, if and some people are, some people are so wicked, they know very well what they're doing. But even those people have no freedom. They are pawns, pawns of the devil who enters them and pulls their strings, you see? So the only salvation is from God when he reaches out and helps you to begin to see and to let things go. And then the process of perfecting. It's not becoming perfect. It is becoming perfect, but it's a process of becoming, endlessly becoming, endlessly growing. But in the past, you were endlessly growing worse, finding work, finding stronger things to, to escape into. Deeper problems, stronger drugs, more alcohol, more whatever, escaping, escaping. But now you go the other way. You move toward God, toward his truth. See? And as you go, you let go of the things of the past, all of the issues that you used to rail about and fret about and all the things you used to rage over, you just let them go. Listeners in upstate New York and Vermont, you guys are getting the 15-minute program. So if you want to hear the whole program, just go to SheddingShackles.com. You can listen to the whole 30-minute program there. Send me an email at Roland at SheddingShackles.com. Roland at SheddingShackles.com. As we're near the end of our time together, I invite you to visit the many resources available at our website, SheddingShackles.com sheddingshackles.net, or sheddingshackles.us. You can listen to past programs, read more about Roland's meditation, or watch Roland's video lectures. Listen in again next week, same time, same station. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Do you know what conscience is? It's actually God pursuing you. It's God's love pursuing you. But we flee from God, don't we? Francis Thompson put it so beautifully in his famous poem, The Hound of Heaven. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter.
When you sense conscience, you are sensing the conflict of two ways of life, two places to exist. It is right in the soul that the dimensions, competing dimensions, meet, and which way you lean will make all the difference in the world. Conscience represents paradise lost. It represents heaven. It's the heavenly life. It's Zoe, the spiritual life. And on the other hand, there is the ego life, the life of dreams and goals and illusions and passions and struggles. When you reject conscience, when you reject being unselfish, it's so that you can be selfish. When you reject remaining quiet so that you can say something mean, when you reject letting something go so you can judge and have a grudge against someone, when you reject just sitting quietly because you want to escape from awareness of reality and of your own wrong, then that escape brings conflict. See, escaping from Zoe or holding Zoe at bay, Zoe is the spiritual life. See, the Greek has actually three words for life. Bios, which is biological life like animals have. Psyche, which is the life of highs and lows and emotions and will and goals and all that. And then Zoe. Zoe is the spiritual life. It's life from God. And so when Christ told us to lay down our lives and pick up the spiritual life, what he meant was to lay down the ego life of pride, of excitement, of anger, of resentment, of hurt feelings, of goals, of willfulness, of striving and struggling and all of that. If you became aware of the spiritual life from God, what does it do? It, it puts a wet blanket on all your machinations and designs and your goals and your self-seeking and your selfishness. In the light of the good life that you don't have, the Zoe life, the spiritual life from God, in the light of that, you see your own selfishness. And you don't want to see it because if you see it, it ruins the fun. It's a spoil sport. So you don't want to see. You don't want to be aware of this other life from God. You don't want to be aware of God. And you don't want to be aware of his light and of intuition. And you don't want to sense it. And so you escape from it. And so you escape into your emotions and into your tension. Tension holds your attention. Other people, especially naughty people and wrong people, hold your attention. Selfish goals hold your attention. Pain holds your attention. A high holds your attention. It holds your consciousness. See, it captures it, and it keeps it from awareness. 
if you sit quietly, if you if it's Sunday afternoon and it's raining outside and you have nowhere to go and nothing to do and you're sitting there, then you start to feel antsy. You start to feel nervous. You start to feel uneasiness and boredom. And you start to want, want to reach for something. You want to reach for the iPhone. You want to reach for music. You want to reach for something to eat or something to drink. You want to reach for something to take you away from this antsiness, this uneasiness. And what is this antsiness, this uneasiness, this restlessness? What is it? It's awareness. It's in the light. You feel the dying. You feel the dying of this psychic life of passions and pleasures and hatreds and excitements and disappointments and highs and lows. See, that begins to die. And you don't want to let it go. And so tension builds, tension, and you reach for something. And you can't help but reach for the wrong thing because the wrong thing helps you to, to distract you and to have attention. So you need the presence of something, whether it's cigarette smoke or whether it's food or whether it's some other person, even somebody that you hate. They provide a distraction and they provide tension to keep you away from awareness of of God's light and God's life. And so we reject awareness and we escape into the tension and the tension builds and builds until you have to look for a release and you find a release in anger, in sex, in working it off, in a fit, in rage. You find some kind of a release and then all passion spent, you escape into the doldrums, into the low, into the emptiness. You escape into that for a while. But then soon the antsiness and the uneasiness come back and reality comes back and you begin to see yourself for what you are and that you need another escape. So now you know. So what do we need? You need to sit still and sweat big drops on your forehead and grit your teeth and bear the short uneasiness that you that you feel that your ego feels from being close to reality and allow reality zoe see when you have that reality when you have god's light when you live in god's life when you relent and say yes yes to your creator, then you pick up this spiritual life. And then you can graciously lay down. See, now, when we get older, look, look, here's another way of thinking about it. When you get older, there comes a time when you begin to graciously lay down the things of youth. You graciously lay those things down, and you become more mature in that respect. And more importantly, you lay down the angers and the passions and the hates and the rages. You lay them down, and you become steady, and you know peace of mind. You see? So there's something beautiful about that. Well, it's something like that, to lay down the CK and pick up 
God's life, the Zoe, and it's an eternal life. See, the, the, the temporary life, the lives of ups and downs and hates and rages and passions and excitements and successes and defeats and all of that, it's up and down and up and down and high and low and high and low. And it goes on and on, but then it comes to an end. But then there's the eternal life with God and in God. So you step toward him and into him instead of into the emotions and into people and things in which you escape. Instead of escaping into them, you step toward awareness. And initially, you're stepping toward realizing your own wrong, seeing your own selfishness and your resentments and being sorry for them, and capitulating to conscience, letting conscience overwhelm you, and then you know peace with God. Then the antsiness is gone. See, then when you're sitting quietly, and the birds are singing outside, and you're sitting quietly, now there's no more antsiness. There's no more nervousness. There's no more uneasiness. There's no more craving for tension. You are able to just sit quietly. And yeah, you will notice occasionally your lower nature pining, temporarily pining for some pleasure of the past or something. You'll see yourself thinking about reaching for some distraction, for some music, for, for some something distracting. But you know what? You'll be able to graciously let that, let that urge pass. And instead, wait upon God, and then will come good things, realizations, new interests, new things to move toward, a whole new way of being that's so beautiful. It's just the other side of being willing to admit you're wrong. See, it starts with repentance. When you truly become aware of God's presence, then in his presence, you experience humility See? But if you resent it, if you resent it, then reject it. But that's what we all do. We all re resent and reject it. We reject it and reject it and dig deeper into the life of excitement and pleasure and the life of emotions and highs and lows. We dig deeper and deeper into them, but then you get farther and farther away from God. But then the day comes when you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want to come back to, to God. You want to find what's missing in your life. And he calls to you. He reaches toward you. And you are willing, see, willing to be overwhelmed by whatever he has for you. And that is the beginning of salvation. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll see you then. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is sheddingshackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.